you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, or the beginning of chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. So this is a continuation from where we left off from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, but before that wonderful service that Steve led, about uh, talking about Jesus rising the widow's sons. We're just stepping back in our journey through Luke. So this is the healing of the centurion's servant. And it says this, After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And this morning, Lord, we wait patiently with hearts open ready for you to minister and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus, after coming down from the plain where he was preaching and teaching his disciples, returned to his hometown in Capernaum. After arriving back in Capernaum, we read that Jewish elders were sent to him by the centurion with an urgent request to come and heal his servant. As we read, Jesus' reply at the end of this amazing event was a remarkable statement. He said, not even in Israel have I found such faith. This statement is only one of a handful of times in the Gospels 
where Jesus commends the way that someone approaches him. But we must ask the question, who was this man? Well, we don't know much about him. Luke tells us that he was a centurion. A centurion is a rank within the Roman army. A centurion was in charge of a hundred men. And he was, uh, his, his uh, in essence, superior offices, the primus pilus, was in charge of 800 men. So this, we know that he was, uh, what his career was and where he sat within that career. We also know that this man was a Gentile, a Gentile being someone who wasn't born Jewish. In essence, he was an immigrant into Capernaum. This is the first time in Luke's Gospel that we have a glimpse that Jesus didn't just come for the Jewish nation. He came for Jews and Gentiles alike. Isn't that a wonderful truth? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, how bad your life has been, whether you think there is no hope for you or that you are beyond forgiveness. All who hear the call and surrender their life to Jesus as Lord and Saviour of their life have a place in the kingdom of God. A restored relationship with God and a life eternal with him all because of Jesus' sacrificial redemptive work on the cross. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Amen. Well, what else do we know about this centurion? Well, we're given a glimpse of his character. Not only were the elders of the synagogue willing to help a Roman, which, I mean, we could, we could pull that apart, but not only were they willing to help they testified to Jesus that the centurion was, and I quote, worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation and he is the one who built our synagogue. But we also see that he cared for those in his care. And again, I quote, now the centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death. And he was highly valued by him. Who would like a boss like that? Who was highly, <laughs> you're highly valued. Saw some heads nodding there. So we have this basic understanding of who this person, this centurion was. And we know that he is wanting Jesus to come and heal his servant someone who he cared deeply for. But unlike so many other of Jesus' miracles in the gospel, this story isn't about the sick servant. It's not about the sick servant. This message, or the message in this story, is about the faith of the centurion, a faith that was so pure that Jesus said, not even in Israel, 
Not even in Israel have I seen such faith. So what is faith? It's a tricky one, isn't it? What is faith? Faith is one of these words that we often use but we don't really always understand. We say it often as Christians, don't we? But we don't always really understand what it means to us within our walk with the Lord. The first thing to say is that faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. And we read in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen. It's a gift. Our ability to have confident, saving faith in God is only through God's free gift of grace given to us. That in itself is something to celebrate this morning. But then scripture gives us a helping hand in understanding what biblical faith is. And a passage that many will know in Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is a powerful verse, a verse that has two principles within it. The first is this, at the core of Christian faith is confidence and trust. So at the core of Christian faith is confidence and trust. Confidence that God is who he says he is and trust that he will do what he promises to do. And it's in these two truths that lead us to demonstrate our faithful confidence and trust in God in our everyday life. So the first part of this is, is that confidence that God is who he is and that trust in that he will do what he says he will do. The second aspect of this verse is that it tells us that the Christian faith isn't blind faith. It isn't blind faith. We may never have seen God, but that doesn't mean that we can't know God. Our faith in God and the confidence and trust we place in him are infused by observing God's nature and character through creation around us, through his promises in scripture, in the word, and through our everyday experience of walking with God. It's not a blind faith. We can see an example of this in the life of Abraham in the Old Testament. God promises Abraham that he will have many descendants. And we read that Abraham, as he was then, believed the Lord 
And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. The Apostle Paul, writing about Abraham's faith, said this, Abraham never wavered. He never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Wow, what a powerful verse. Now, let's do it, Steve. Now, this is either going to work or it's not. And, and I'm bouncing off, actually, what Louise has done this morning, which is amazing. But I want to sort of show you where this, 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 this works, right? Let me... I have no idea what's about to happen. Neither do I. <laughs> but we'll go for it. Now, do you want to tie that around your eyes? All right. Actually, before, before you do that, just come around here for us. Now, I'm going to build upon what Louise very, actually, very, very helpfully did this morning. I thought that was wonderful. So well done to you and all that took part. Right. You good? Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Now, Steve, you know who I am, don't you? I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, now, you know that as pastor here at this church, all I want is your good health, your, uh, the best for you. Yes? yes? Would you agree with yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Sounds, and like a, sounds like a leaded question. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but because of the, you know, these last two or three years, two or so years that you've known me, and my character, right, and my, my personality, yeah. would you, as pastor of this church, place your faith in me, in that sense? I think we already have, Craig. We gave you a job, didn't we? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right, you stand there. No, no, you stand there. You stand there. Right. Now, you can't see. I can't see, no. Amazing. Like, like your tassels. Okay, right. So, okay. Let me move this out of the way. So, Steve has confidence and belief in who I am. Okay. Um, I'm about to direct Steve. Steve, do you have trust that I am able to do what I say I will do? Yes. <laughs> that wasn't very convincing, was it? But yes, Craig, I do. Absolute, absolute trust. <laughs> and are you willing to demonstrate that faith by putting your trust in me? Yes. Wow, this is going. This is going to, you know, this is all working so far. Now, similar to, to what Louise did and, and, and Esther that did this morning, is that directing? Okay, this is where this blind faith. This is where we have confidence. It's not blind faith. Very well done there earlier on, but I just want to take it one step further. So, Steve, take a step forward. Turn ever so slightly to your left. Take, oh, just uh, shuffle to your right, ever so slightly. <laughs> right, take two steps forward. Take one more step forward. Ooh. Okay, turn to, your, turn to your left. 
tad more on the floor and then take four paces forward. Oh, stop, turn slightly to your right. Take another pace forward. Sorry, no, no. <laughs> one more pace for me, one more pace. Okay, stop there. Wonderful. So as we saw this morning, as we saw here, this is that example of blind faith working in practice. We know by God's word in creation around us that he is a relational God. And we walk in that trust, don't we? We put our faith and we, we, we demonstrate our faith by walking in that trust in the Lord. Do an about turn for me, Steve. Now, that's all well and good when things are going okay. What happens, what happens when life gets tough? What happens between our faith when life gets difficult? And we can't see a physical God and how our faith gets rocked. How easy are we willing to follow in those moments? So Steve, say exactly where you are. When you came in today, you sat down on a chair, didn't you? I did. I'd like you to do exactly the same right now. Same chair. No, no. <laughs> I want you just to sit. <laughs> no, just sit. Just sit. <laughs> well done, well done, well done. Well done. There was a wavering there, wasn't there? Unlike the walking, there was a bit of, oh, hang on. That's all right. Thank you, Steve. That's it. You've made my point. Wonderful. Well done to you. Well done. Though I am impressed, Steve, because you trust me more than, than I gave you credit for. Thank you. Gosh. So we know that faith is a gift from God. We know that at its core is this confidence and this trust that we place in God. And that's, as we've just seen, and again this morning, our faith isn't blind faith. But our faith can get rocked when times get hard, when we don't know a way out, when we struggle to see what's around the corner. That's all well and good, but where do we, where do we focus our faith? We can have faith, but where, where are we called to focus it, channel it? In whom do we have faith? You ask that in the world and you'll get some different questions. But that question is answered in the book of Hebrews. And I'm sure some of you here already know what I'm about to say. Hebrews is very clear. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith. Jesus is the founder and perfecter. It is in Jesus we are called to focus our faith, not in the world around us. Not in the world around us. Not even at an absolute level, our friends or our family, though we do have faith in them. But I'm talking about 
a, a, a core faith, a foundational faith, a saving faith. We're told to give that, to focus that to Jesus. Not on world governments. Not on world governments, but on Jesus. Not even on ourselves. We live in this world where people are very eye-centred. I will, be, I will trust myself. I have faith in my own ability and my own strength. No. Jesus. We are to surrender that to Jesus. This, centur this centurion came to this wonderful truth. Isn't that amazing? So in essence, we can summarise and we could delve a lot deeper into faith, but I'll be dragged off the platform if, if I started going down that rabbit hole. But we can summarise our Christian faith as this, having confidence in who Jesus is and trusting that he has already and will continue to fulfil all he has promised to do. So when we look back at our Roman centurion, we see this same faith at work. Let's walk through just the, remain, the remainder of this passage briefly. We first see that the centurion's reaction to this revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus is on his way to the centurion's house. This is where we pick this story up. He's on his way to the centurion's house. And the centurion tells his friends, go, intercept Jesus and say these words, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Remember, this is a Roman soldier. This isn't a Jew. This is a Roman soldier, a military man, a, a, someone who would have been brought up worshipping other gods, many other gods, if you, if you know anything about you know, Roman gods. Not only has this centurion come to recognise the authority and power of Jesus, and we see that in, his, the, in, in, in the way that he referred to Jesus as Lord, as Lord, but he has recognised his own unworthiness to be in the presence of an all-powerful and holy God. I often wonder, I often wonder if that truth is as strong in my life and in our lives here today, do we truly recognise the power and authority of Jesus? Not just read it, not just say it, but do we truly believe it? Do we have that deep conviction in our heart that we are unworthy to be in his presence, the presence of a holy God, unworthy to be called children of God, unworthy to be called heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
But the wonderful truth, and it is a wonderful truth, is that by his grace we are children of God. We are heirs of God. And we are co-heirs with Christ. Something else to celebrate. What a wonderful gift. So we've seen how this centurion, in that moment of revelation, recognises his unworthiness. But it's in the centurion's final words to Jesus that he demonstrates his faithful confidence and trust in Jesus by saying, Jesus, just say the word and my centurion, my sorry, my servant will be healed. Jesus, just say a word. That's all it takes. Jesus, I may never have met you, but through all I have heard of you, the testimonies of your miracles, the good news message that you teach around this area, I have faith in you. I have confidence in who you say you are. And I trust that you will do what you say you will do. And I'm going to demonstrate that faithful confidence and trust in you by believing that you, Jesus, can heal my servant by a word. Man. As we know, this led to Jesus saying, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Wow. And praise God, the centurion servant was healed. Church, this life, this life that we live in and we lead is tough. I think we would all agree with that. It is tough. And as a result, our faith can sometimes waver. And we can even beat ourselves up because our faith is wavering. God knows our faith is going to waver. It's what we do in those moments that makes the difference. Like Steve sitting on that chair. He walked by faith quite happily, but when, he, when, when his faith was rocked, there was, a, there was a wall. But did he not still sit? Did he still not follow God? and place his faith in him. Our faith will waver. Maybe when we're trying to figure out why we've been made redundant. When a loved one tragically dies unexpectedly, our faith can waver when trust is broken in those whom we have put trust And we waver when war breaks out and the world around us overnight becomes uncertain. But I want to encourage you today with every fibre of my being to stay strong and faithful in Jesus. Have confidence in Jesus. He is who he says he is. He is who he says he is. He is God Almighty. 
He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He is the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God. That is who he is. And that is what we have faith in, confidence in. He is who he says he is. But trust in Jesus. He will fulfill what he has promised he would do. His unbreakable promise of salvation. His promise of rest and renewal for all who come to him. His promise that he will never leave you. He will never leave you. And he will always be with you. And that he has gone to prepare a place for you. But what's wonderful about that passage? I've gone to prepare a place for you. But I will come back for you. I'll come back for you. I mean, that's, there's, a, there's a film in that alone, isn't there? What a promise. And just as Centurion did, this week, this month, the rest of our lives, let's follow that example of the Centurion. Let us demonstrate our faithful confidence and trust in Jesus when times get tough, not just during the easy times. Jesus, I don't know why I've been made redundant, but I am faithfully confident and I trust that you will provide for me and my family. Jesus, I don't know what that, why that person broke my trust and hurt me, but I am faithfully confident and trust that you will restore my ability to trust others. Jesus, I'm concerned with all I'm hearing about this war in Ukraine. I don't understand it and I don't know what the future looks like. But I am faithfully confident and trust that you are almighty power and authority in the universe. And that you promise to always be with me and promise to bring peace and reassurance to my heart irrespective of what happens tomorrow. Church, if we approach our faith in Jesus, in this way, not only will it bring life to our souls, life to our souls, it will bring peace and reassurance to our hearts. And it's through that that we will then be able to shine a light of hope to a world around us who is in desperate need of Jesus in their life. Shall we pray? I'll invite the band up.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this. This moment in history when this Roman centurion came to believe and have faith in you, have confidence in who you say you are and place that trust that you will do what you say you have promised. I thank you that this centurion come to understand and know in his heart that you are all powerful and that you have all authority. That by default, Lord, we can't help but humble ourselves, As the centurion said, I am not, I, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy for you to come on my, under my roof or for me to even consider coming into your presence. But by your grace, what a wonderful gift of grace. You made a way for us. You gave us all hope. You gave us all freedom. And in that we are ever grateful. But Lord, we want to be people of faith. We want, to, we want our faith to be strengthened. Our faith to continue to grow as Abraham's faith continued to grow. And it was counted to you, God. Oh Lord, help us. Help us whenever situations around us feel like they're closing in. Help us, Lord, when we don't know a way out, when we struggle to see a path, where our faith in you is even rocked, when we say, Lord, why? Lord, where are you? Give us, Lord, that faith. It's not a blind faith, but it's a faith and a confidence and a trust that we can take another step and we can get through this day and we can get through this week because you are by our side because you promised to never leave us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending Jesus to us. And we pray in his name, in Jesus' name, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Amen. Amen.